Welcome to the Stephen and Arjun's Football Podcast, where they discuss anything football, everything football. This podcast is brought to you by Starshot Bakery and Misuboy SG. Craving for party treats like cakes and cookies in Subang Jaya? Visit starshot.bakery on Instagram. Or would you like tiramisu in Singapore? Visit misuboy.sg on Instagram as well. Good day, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Sivian Others Football Podcast. In the last episode, we had our guest, Sarsilan, who was an Arsenal fan, joining us uh, on the podcast. And today, once again, we had three of us. <laughs> and it's Arjun and Uday and myself on the podcast today. First of all, I want to welcome back Arjun to the stream. Arjun, welcome back. Thanks, Stephen. Good to be back. Yes, and also uh, our... Long-time uh, guest, who has always been, who, who, who kind of been regular nowadays, Uday. Uday, welcome back as well. Ah, yes, I'm the unofficial third member right now, looks like, of the <laughs> podcast. And you guys got me yes, at a yes, very good are. time, uh, the fact that France won. So it's been a very interesting uh, international break for me. I'm very happy right now. So thanks for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm much happier. Uh, after, after what happened in the Euros, uh, finally the France fans have to pop out again. Yeah, what a fantastic time. <laughs> Alright, so today we are going to talk about the, the, the biggest topic this week, you know. We, we had Premier League, you know, rest for two weeks, you know, due to the internationals. But yet again, one club seems to dominate the headlines uh, of football, and that's Newcastle United. Uh, the Saudi Arabia Public, Inve- in- Public Investment Group has, you know, Purchase Newcastle United and they are reportedly much, much more uh, wealthier than Qatari owners of PSG as well as uh, Sheikh Mansour from Manchester City. Uh, I think I, I would like to go to Uday first. Uday, what can you tell us about this takeover and how it will impact Premier League in the next five years? Um, thanks for uh, informing uh, the listeners about who the new takeovers are, uh, who the new owners are and everything. Um, the, basically, it is owned by public investors, but under the Crown Prince, Mohammed bin Salman. And I am not a big fan of this, actually. I feel that United Kingdom does not agree with the report from America that said MBS and his team executed Jamal Khashoggi. He's a reporter and... I also find it strange that 93% of the fans agreed to this takeover. It's, I, I'm going for the negatives of this takeover and I feel this is a terrible idea. I know you shouldn't. You should have asked Arjun. Maybe Arjun have got to the politics, but I think this takeover is a terrible thing. Um, the Newcastle friends wanted somebody to take over their previous owner, Mike Ashley, which is understandable. He hasn't been treating their players correctly. They haven't treated Alan Shearer correctly. They haven't treated a bunch of other players correctly. And um, to be fair, I understand why the fans wanted him to leave. But to get somebody who, or to get an owner that doesn't care about human rights, to get an owner who are abusers and who have tortured people, doesn't sound like a great idea to me. It just feels like the Premier League just doesn't care who owns it as long as they just give us the money. All they care about is the money right now. So that's my thoughts with regards to this. Arjun, I hope you have a positive outlook towards this. I don't know. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so so when I, when I uh, saw that the deal would go over, I, uh, I, I won't lie, initially I was excited uh, because, like, you know, uh, when you play FIFA as a kid or even, like, recently and stuff, you take a small club, you you buy a financial takeover um, uh, package, which gives you an injection, and it, you just go uh, go wild with it. Like, you start with, uh, you know, a small club like Sheffield or Newcastle, and then you're suddenly rich and you can buy anyone you like. It's just a kind of like a wild dream come true kind of thing. Uh, but on the reality side, I definitely agree with today. It's a very strange and odd uh, choice of owner as well as from the Saudi point of view, it's a very odd choice to buy Newcastle as well. Um, that there has been so much debate about this as well. And I know uh, I've read that many Premier League clubs aren't happy um yeah so uh, apparently there are a lot of uh, angry premier league clubs who have uh, officially complained with the premier league and are pushing for an emergency meeting uh, to lodge their dissatisfaction with the premier league and i can understand that because on the financial scale uh, people thought sheikh mansour taking over man city was huge but saudi, this saudi new saudi owners of newcastle are supposed to be more than 10 times richer than uh, the Sheikh Mansouf, uh, who's, who owns Manchester City. And this is crazy. This is an unimaginable scale. Uh, if we think that Manchester City and PSG have been getting away with uh, financial fair play for years, what is going to happen with Newcastle United maybe a few years seasons down the line when they start going crazy and buying players? Uh, it's going to really break football more than it already has in terms from the financial point of view. Uh, but of course, from the fans' perspective, I can understand why they are very happy. Uh, I think they are more happy at the fact that Mike Ashley has left compared to uh, it being bought by Saudi Arabia. Uh, yeah, so that, that's what I, I feel about this. Uh, Stephen, do you have any thoughts on the takeover as well? Sorry, a quick interaction before Stephen goes. Um, yeah. I really brought up the fact that fans, I think they're ignorant. You know, yeah. I'm sure if you were to give a map to most of the Newcastle United fans and tell them, can you name five countries in which the United Kingdom conquered or in back then or whatever? They wouldn't barely even name like one league or two. They are racist to their own people as well. So yeah. I think it's just ignorant to what's going around and that's why both of us are upset. Uh, yeah, Stephen, go ahead. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like I like to play the devil's advocate here, but... But then again, I feel um, I don't know how it works back there, but but as long as I feel I don't know whether like you all say about this human what human rights activists, you know, I we do see human rights activists, you know, protesting against the takeover. But then again, I don't know whether the Premier League or the or the club itself does this kind of thing called the owner qualification, where they 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 go through the owners or, or the or the how to say the owner's company's background to see whether is it really whatever they do is it really legit you know um as in like do they go through uh some sort of corruptions or like what you say there's some sort of killings behind how they earn their money or they only look at the money we, we do not we don't know that you know so oh so sorry sorry Stephen, just to just, just to interject so i read about that as well and the premier league's official stance on why they are okay with the takeover is that they have been given assurances that Saudi Arabian government 
because the takeover is actually from the Saudi Arabian public fund, the, the public investment fund, something like our 1MDB, uh, mm -hmm. which, which is entrusted uh, as an investment arm of the government. So that, that fund is what is taking over Newcastle. So apparently the Premier League has been given assurances by the uh, Saudi Arabian Kingdom, the government itself, that they are not going to interfere in the running of Newcastle. So that's their official stance. So uh, I, I think it's just a, it's just a facade. Lah. So yeah, sorry, uh, you can continue. Just wanted to bring that point to you. Yeah, I understand. Thanks, Arjun. Yeah, so... Yeah, so they won't they won't interfere with, with the operation of the club and I, I'm confident that whatever they presented to the Premier League and maybe Mike Ashley, maybe Mike Ashley only cares about the money. Um to the Newcastle board is just that we are clean, you know, we are legit and then we do everything by the books. And I'm confident that with the amount of money they had, even though if they did really did what they said earlier, but they still manage to cover it. I'm confident that you know they can pro provide proof that they are they are a clean company. Yeah. So regarding of how it will affect the Premier League, I feel, um, ah uh, yeah, like, like what I didn't say earlier, they are more happy about getting rid of Mike Ashley because they have been trying to get rid of Mike Ashley for the uh, for the past ten years. You know, since since the time when Michael Owen was still in uh, Newcastle United. So because he has he has like how's it? Badly, the, the club has been badly run. It, they dropped in the championship, came back up again, and then you know it's still it's he's still not injecting funds into the club. You see, so I feel they are more happy that Mike actually is leaving compared to compared to compared to this this new new owner coming in. And of course, Mike actually doesn't care about them. You know, as long as he he gets the money, you know, from selling the clubs, and I feel that he's more than happy about that. And regarding of how it will affect the Premier League as a Liverpool fan. I see another city, Manchester City coming in. <laughs> that you know, you see another big club, but and also Newcastle United have history. You know, they have they they, they were the glory, you know, they had the glory days back in the 90s, you know, with Alan Shearer, uh Cole, yeah, you know, playing for the club. So so I feel um with history on their side and money on their side, I feel they are more attractive uh club, you know, compared to City. Who only have the money side of things, yeah. So, so I see them as a threat in the next five years. I mean, who do you think will go to Newcastle United? I mean, if if I was Mbappe, which I have a dream to play Real Madrid, Real Madrid, and of course, has more money the other side, would I? I don't know, sell my soul to the devil, as what as the quote suggests, and okay. go to Newcastle United. Uh, we play in the Premier League where they are like, I don't know, six, seven other big teams, which is more competitive. Or would I just go to Real Madrid and have a higher chance of winning the La Liga? I think uh, this goes back to how Manchester City started as well when they got first got the money, where they targeted players like Robinho, who had a high profile, uh, who was known as a world-class player, but he was attracted by the money more than anything else when he moved to Manchester City. So I think, uh, it, 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 of course, it goes uh, remains to be seen, but... They will if when if, if eventually they want to attract world class players, they'll probably follow that model of trying to attract the players who are attracted by the money first. So in like three seasons, probably they will be ready to attract world class players, just as uh, Manchester City was. 
Yeah, let's hope they don't listen and use your ideas and I don't know, maybe execute us. <laughs> I mean, I mean if, uh, like how Stephen was saying, uh, I don't think they're going to be another Manchester City. I, don't, I think they're going to be a bigger problem than Manchester City, given how much money they have. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Super. <laughs> yeah, I mean. And, and nobody can joke that they don't have fans. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. They do have a large fan base. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, they do have a large fan base and their stadium is big as well. I feel this is a club with history um, similar to how Leeds was previously. And now with the money, you know, money talks, man. I, I feel money really talks. You see how City was built up previously when they signed, yeah, firstly, Robinho. Then you have people like Adubayo coming in. Yeah. Then it's coming mainly they start off with players. Team. Yeah. Yeah, players who are, maybe they'll start off buying players who are not the superstar, they don't go for superstar straight away, but maybe probably uh, those that are in a big club and then, you know, uh, uh, at the end of their career, maybe probably a Suarez, uh, Lewandowski next year, probably. Who knows, you know? He's running down his contract. He's 30 over years old. Yeah, so, then, and then and then five years down the line, then probably they'll, they'll compete for players like uh, Mbappe or or uh, uh, a few folded, you know, who may be a big sign, <laughs> five years, who knows? Yeah, we're probably because Steven doesn't make sense. Like, it makes sense. It's just to me, it'll be really funny. Like, I, I feel for it. And then, like, I, I can imagine Mbappe, Ronaldo, and even after all those players, Alan said Maximan will still be there. Because they can't replace it. <laughs> I, I think we're going to see the first one million a week player at Newcastle, probably. Uh, wow, yeah. <laughs> That would definitely ruin a lot of things, but that's for sure. Yeah. Make a lot of problems in regards to different teams buying plays. <laughs> let's see. Let's see how it goes. Hey, let's let's hope that Allen's and Maximum will be the Vincent Company of Newcastle. I hope you <laughs> change, man. <laughs> yes, that's, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, enough about Newcastle now. Um of, yeah. of course this international break, we also have the nation's league. Yeah, so we had a nation league, uh, nation league semi-final. We have Belgium against France as well as um, yes. Italy <laughs> against Spain. <laughs> a very we have a very happy Uday here today. Uh, Uday, yes. would you like yes. to talk, talk to I us about been, nations league? I haven't been and... smiling this much. Yeah, I haven't been smiling this much yeah. since the start of and, last five years. <laughs> <laughs> and how <laughs> France managed to mount a second half comeback against Belgium? Talk us through it. Okay, so let's talk about the France game first. I think I'm really excited to talk about that. Uh, look, uh, France definitely has some defensive issues that they definitely have to sort out. Initially, Belgium were leading 2-0 and they were comfortable. And I, Kevin De Bruyne, as usual, was exceptional. I think we've spoken a lot about him and he can't stop. I can't stop speaking about him, that's for sure. He definitely had a comfortable lead by the first half. And then I think what happened was in the second half, um, the manager, the French manager, definitely uh, told the French team to press higher. And I think that was a big issue for Belgium, where the French team were pressing higher. They just didn't know how to get the ball off the defence. We, we already spoke how Belgium's defence of uh, Vertonghen and the other two are quite old. Alderweireld and everything. So we know they're old. We know they're slow. We know there are some issues and everything. It was highlighted by Italy. So I think France used the same model to beat Belgium. Kept on losing the ball repeatedly. Um, and then, what a penalty by Mbappe. Huh? If only he scored that penalty in the Euros rather than scoring in the Nations League. 
So I thought it was great. Uh, Benjamin Pavard was really good. Um, so basically, France's tactical change in the second half was what they won the game. I did. Any of you? Do any of you have anything else to say about this? Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't watch or uh, keep up with the nation's game. <laughs> I don't have anything to add to this. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uday, how do you see France chance against uh, a very, a very uh, young Spain squad tomorrow? Good, good thing you brought up. It's a young, depleted Spain without a centre forward with a lot of injuries. Doesn't even look as players have connected to the team. I mean, the last time I was happy and I thought that France was going to beat Switzerland, we lost. So I don't want to curse. <laughs> I'm not to say that I'm the one to curse France. But um, I think I have a feeling that if France played the same way in the second half, they might win. But if it's the first half, it might actually, it might just be a boring 0 0. It might go to penalties. Speaking of the Spain, uh, game Spain versus Italy was the rematch of the European semi-final where Italy finally uh, cannot continue their unbeaten run of 37 games being unbe- unbeaten. They were stopped by the mighty Spain um, with the youngest, one of the youngest players I've seen play for some time, uh, Gabby, 17 years and 62 days old. Uh, I don't know about you, but I definitely feel much older seeing these younger players because when I was started watching football, uh, I always assumed that I was younger than the players and oh boy, I have a chance and everything. But now I feel like I, n- I never had a playing career. <laughs> but uh, it's over now for me. And I think Gabby uh, stole the show brilliantly. Benucci's red card definitely affected the show and um, Italy's goal was definitely quite good. It showed the Spanish realities of how bad they were. So if France could attack their defence and we know that they don't have a lot of good attack, France might win it. Steven, Arjun, any disagreements here? I mean, you didn't watch it, but what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, but I did read and uh, quite a lot about Belgium's uh, defensive problems, uh, starting from the manager himself, where, I, I mean, even when Roberto Martinez took charge of Everton last time, I think he had a, his attack was, was good, but he always had defensive problems. And it doesn't help in this Belgian team with uh, aging defenders. So, yeah, I think uh, definitely... Your analysis is spot on. They uh, France probably overpowered Belgium because of that, and uh, France look look like they are going to put the misery of uh, Euro twenty twenty behind them. I hope so. I'd be really <laughs> happy if they do. So, uh, yeah. Well, moving on to our final section, uh, we have to talk about the potential uh, game game between two potential title challengers this season, Liverpool and Man City. What a game it was. Finished 2-2 uh, with both managers congratulating each other, full of praise for each other. Uh, I think Pep Guardiola mentioned before uh, that it is because of Jurgen Klopp that he has been pushed to be a better manager. And I think it was proven in this game. They adapted to each other's game. And you can see that uh, the difference between this Liverpool versus Man City compared to a few seasons ago where I think Uday highlighted this in one of his uh, LinkedIn posts, where uh, a few seasons ago, Man City was playing just the patient possession game and Liverpool were playing the high press, famous under Jürgen Klopp. But now they have adapted. Man City are also trying to press a little higher. 
uh, Liverpool are not always doing the high press. They are trying to be patient at times as well. So it has resulted in a really interesting game. Uh, Stephen, what did you think of the game? And what a goal by Mo Salah as well. Yeah, the game was very exciting. I mean, I feel like it's a game of two half. First half, um, City, City, City dominated the first half, and and Liverpool were, to be honest, very very fortunate to to, to go into halftime at Nuno. Um, yeah, then second half, I feel Liverpool improved. Uh, first half was completely dominated by City. Second half, after I suspect you know Jurgen Klopp gave the team a hair dry treatment, and second half we came back stronger. We we took the lead. But then we lost the league uh, just, just about five minutes later uh, with, with, uh, with, with City equalising. Yeah, but again, what a goal by Mo Salah. And, uh, and of, course, of course, the last minute, uh, the, the, near the end of the game, we had Fabinho who, who, who missed the open goal. Not, not to say a miss, but, but it was a good block by Rodri in front of an open goal. And, and yeah, I feel that if... Fortunately, City did not sign Harry Kane this season. Because even without Harry Kane, they look so good in attacking in their attacking play. You know, so fluid. Even though they did not have, a, even though their centre forward was playing in the right wing, Jesus, uh, and they did not have any centre forward left on the bench, they, they still look very fluid in terms of the attacking. You know, the players running off each other. You know, when I'm in possession, there's always when one player is in possession, there's always an option to pass pass it off. And it's very hard to, to, to defend them, even though we had Virgil van Dijk back there uh, with Joao Matip, both are on form uh, this season. Uh, but still, they look... They, they don't look like... Virgil van Dijk doesn't look like the usual dominant self, you know? He still look like he's trying to run back in the position. Uh, he's, he's still being dragged out of position a lot of times throughout the game. Yeah, and anyway, in an attacking sense... Um, um, the first goal by Sadio Mane, I feel, is a very, very brilliant counter attack. And um, and to to I feel to to be to be able to penetrate this city's defense, who has kept five clean sheets this season, and they have only conceded once against Tottenham before the Liverpool game. I feel it is it is a good achievement already, and to be able to be on par with City uh, this early on, it's it's. It's good, but then I still worry that moving forward, City will, will, will start to pick up the pace like how they did last season and, and, and will continue to be a threat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wanted to ask Uday as well uh, what your opinion on the match and uh, which, which goal did you think was the best of the match? <laughs> Do I really have to ask? Come on, really most Allah's goal. You have to ask that question. No, no, because I, I, I did see some debate where some people thought that Foden's goal was technically better, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree as well. I think most Allah's goal was way better. I, I don't know uh, about that. I think uh, whatever hype, okay, like okay, I, I don't want to say anything wrong, which I most probably will anyways. But I, <laughs> um, what happened was I thought throughout the game the commentators who were English was over praising Foden, especially Foden's um lack of uh, scoring the goal. I think lack of efficiency of scoring as well as some of his misplaced pass. I just thought that just because he was English, he was over praised too much. I don't know whether any of you noticed this. Am I being wrong by saying this, by the way? I, I think it's not it... just limited to this game, right? I think most of the games when Rashford plays, uh, it's the yeah. same. 
whenever any English player plays, uh, they are always given much more hype, much more praise from the English commentators. And I think that's just that's just how it's been for so many years. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, another thing that I wanted to say that was highlighted recently was the fact that, okay, Ronaldo won the uh, player of the month. But to be fair, Mo Salah was the most consistent player that happened the whole, that was played the whole month. Ronaldo scored two tap-ins, like one through the goalkeeper's leg or whatever. And the last time Mo Salah won a player of the month was 2018. I think we are, just because it's not English or like, things is some sort of subtle racism that's going on right now. We are not appreciating Mo Salah's brilliance and we should definitely uh, take into consideration. He's definitely up there with Ronaldo and Messi right now, I feel like. And maybe this is a hot take. I don't care. Um, <laughs> Why I'm here to give my opinion and I'm just here to keep it inside. And uh, I think Steven's analysis was great with the game. I, but I, I think Steven forgot the most important things in which uh, I think we brought it up the last time. We wanted James, the right wing battle between uh, James Miller, and we assumed it was going to be Jack Grealish, but instead of Jack Grealish, it was Phil Foden. I think it was Tactical Genius by Pep Guardiola. James Miller was chasing Phil Foden. There was a so-called penalty shout, which didn't happen, but it was outside the penalty area. Could have been a free kick, whatever. And then there was the first yellow card that happened. And then there was a double tackle by Henderson and James Miller on uh, Phil Foden. Sorry, on Bernardo Silva, I think. Which Bernardo should Silva, have, yeah. Yeah, on Bernardo Silva, which should have been James Miller's second yellow card already. But because I don't know what happened exactly. Maybe they thought that the first foul uh, was more damaging. That's why the second foul was let loose. I don't know. Again, I was listening to another podcast and they said maybe because of the emotions and referees make decisions with emotions. And most probably the emotions came at that time. It's like, okay, James Miller is a life sled. He won't do anything. And right after that free I think there was within a couple of minutes, most Salah scored. So the game would have shifted dramatically if James Miller was definitely recorded. Um, um, yeah, maybe definitely because Miller and Hendo are both English. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, you know, the whole English thing that's happening. Um, but yeah, Bernardo Silva's run, so we got to not... <laughs> He ran around the Liverpool's defense and then he like laid it off to Phil Foden, who should have scored again in the first half, which he didn't. Like City were like really unlucky in the first half. Um, but I guess because of that unluckiness, we were able to enjoy such a brilliant game uh, of football. Uh, most others goal, definitely one of the best. It was PlayStation like, that's what the commenters said. Um, I think what happened was we were watching the replay of the match. I'm just going off topic right now. I, my, my dad. <laughs> Was watching the second half and then I was like before it was the second half I was like you're going to make a noise which you win one of the goals you know and as soon as Mo Salah's goal scored he made a noise he was like whoa <laughs> you know <laughs> he reacted like all of us reacted the first time. so yeah like definitely one of the best goals I've seen so far yeah so talking, <laughs> about, talking about Mo Salah as well there was another question I wanted to ask because, well, because uh, there has been contract talks going on contract renewal talks going on between <laughs> Salah and Liverpool. And uh, earlier, there, there were a lot of Liverpool fans, I think including Stephen, who said that no player is bigger than the club. Uh, we can't break the wage structure just for one player. And it totally makes sense. That's how Klopp has been doing his business. But do you think Liverpool should make an exception for Salah, given that he, and I agree with Uday that given that he is reaching world-class status, 
probably one of the world's best players. So do you think you should give it what, what, what he needs or what he wants? Did I say that? Did, did I say that in this Salah context that he we should sell him if he if he requests for 500k? Uh yeah, you, I mean you did say you should sell him, but you said no player is bigger than the club, and uh like you shouldn't break the wage structure because other players won't be happy. I remember three seasons ago or two seasons ago, I did say that yeah. if I were to sell one of the front three, uh who, you asked me who is the most important one. I yeah, yeah. That was three seasons ago, but yeah, the fact that most of us did this twice <laughs> already. You know, the first time it was twice, against Tottenham. Right? And I think we've seen quite a few magical uh, goals from him. Yeah, 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 there are a lot of magical goals, but this was very similar to the one he scored against Tottenham, where he, on the right way, he dribbled past a lot of defenders. And this actually reminded, and this reminded me of Messi's goal against uh, Bayern. Bayern. When he sat down Jerome Boateng. I don't know whether you guys remember that. But yes, of course, yes, yes. that one he chipped over uh, Neuer, but this really reminded me of that. Yeah, so um, <laughs> as a Liverpool fan, I agree, wouldn't you know? He is in Messi's territory, and, and the fact that he scored against um, good teams, it's not like Watford or Leeds, no disrespect to them, that is. Uh, he scored against Tottenham and City, those kind of magical goals, and, and these kind of goals will be, will be, will be replayed no, over, over, past, uh, over the next few years. So regarding the contract talks, should we give he's of about 27, 28 now? So um I feel that he's approaching his prime. And should should I give should I break the weight structure for, for Mo Salah? Uh at this juncture I would say yes. <laughs> <laughs> if the rumors of him requesting five hundred thousand per week is true. Um, yeah, I would say go for it. At this juncture, I would say go for it. Yeah. I think we are, I'm going to break our three-season long wait of cursing in this podcast and fucking give the contract to Mo Salah. Like, <laughs> just fucking give him a statue if you have to. I don't give a shit. Like, just give everything. I'm so sorry I, I, I cursed anything. So sorry for any of the young listeners we have, but just give it to him. You know, like, uh, I mean, yeah. what's stopping us from him? I'm talking about Mo Salah as well. Uh, as, as much as we said how uh, Virgil van Dijk was so important to Liverpool, I think Mo Salah has become almost as important to Liverpool as well. Like, uh, when Liverpool are stuck yeah, going forward, he provides the moment of inspiration. And I don't think Firmino or Mane can provide that among mm, the front three. That pass to Mane also, I think, was exceptional, Stephen. Do you agree with that? Yes, yes, the true ball was good. Yeah. Tell you, she just give him more yeah. thing. And and if uh, yeah, go on. And you and you paid Sa- uh, Sanchez five hundred k right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if Alexis Sanchez can get five hundred per week, most all I can. Yes, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. And and why is no. why is Real Madrid going for Mbappe? Go for most Salah, man. <laughs> yeah, actually, think about it. They should actually go for Mo Salah if they really want no, to be back. No, but Mbappe is younger, you see. Mbappe is younger. You know, they have more potential. That's, that's true. That's true. true. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. What I wanted to talk about was a quick uh, note on Juan Cancelo. Uh, Man City's wow. left right back. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> After all that, you know. Look, I mean, 
honestly, like I thought he uh, was exceptional in City's attacking sense. I thought that true ball for one of the Kevin De Bruyne and Phil Foden shots was was magnificent. I was just uh, looking at him throughout the whole game and how brilliant he was. Of course, there are some, you know, the most other goals highlighted some of his defensive uh, issues that he has. I don't know, but he did still stop Mosada a couple of times. And I think uh, for that goal, he shouldn't have stopped him. So, yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about. I think I'm done right now. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> okay, all right. I think yeah. I think we have reached the end of this podcast for today. Anything yeah. else to add, Arjun? Uh, no, I think we uh, said everything we wanted to say. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot, Arjun and Uday, to join, for joining us in today's podcast. And listeners, if you have any comments about our podcast, please do leave us a DM. My Instagram handle is at Steven underscore rock underscore on. And Arjun's Instagram handle is at Ruben Arjun. Once again, this podcast is brought to you by Misubo SG and Starshark Bakery. We'll see you again next time. In the meantime, stay safe and bye-bye.